If you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? Well, unfortunately, time travel isn't an option, but it is possible to pass on lessons learned to the next generation. The great enemy of our devotion to God is not outright rebellion, but apathy. Many of us have a heart for Jesus, but we also have a heart for other things that crowd him out. The sincerity of our devotion is what's at stake when faith is simply a part of our life instead of the controlling force. Now, distraction and competing desires may seem like a modern problem, but thousands of years ago, the psalmist prayed, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Today's episode is a talk I gave earlier this summer that highlights the importance of having an undivided heart and how to cultivate it. It's a message I would share with my younger self if I could go back in time, and I hope that it can encourage you today. A couple of things are motivating what I want to share with you all about tonight. First of all is I'm going to be turning 50 next month. And so I was thinking, what would I want to tell myself if I was the age of most of you that I'm looking out and seeing your faces tonight? I think most of you are probably in your 20s, maybe early 30s. And that's right around when I began to follow Jesus. So almost 30 years ago, I began to follow Jesus. And I was very fortunate, blessed that the Lord put people in my life in those early years who could point me in helpful directions when it came to learning the scriptures, learning about Jesus, and learning how to follow him. So I'm hoping that in some small way, I could share something tonight that would help you based on where you're at right now. And the second thing that's prompted me to share tonight is some some principles that came through some verses that I was reviewing over this past week. Uh, scripture memory has been a part of my life for um, a while now, and I was reviewing a few verses, and I just thought that um, the Lord wanted me to share from those verses tonight. So we're going to start, though, I think, with a video clip. So if um, one of the guys in the back can play that real short clip, and then while they're doing that, if you guys want, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 86. I'm going to share three verses with you all tonight, and the first one is Psalm 86, 11. This for you. Too many mind. Too many mind? Hi. Mind the soul. Mind the people. What? Mind the enemy. Too many mind. No mind. All right, so how many of you guys know what movie that is? Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite movies. Awesome soundtrack. Um, you may or may not have been able to make out what the younger gentleman was saying to Tom Cruise in that scene, but Tom Cruise is trying to fight this very experienced uh, samurai warrior, 
And the younger man tells him that he's, he's too many mind, that his, his mind is on too many things and it's keeping him from focusing on the one thing that he really needs to be focused on in that moment, which is this fight that he's in the, mid, in the middle of. And then he gives advice where he would say, he, he said, uh, no mind, which I suppose is more of like the Eastern mindset, that if you can just clear your mind and go blank, then you can really live in the moment. So I wouldn't say that um, I would advise no mind, but I do think that the scripture advises us to be single-minded. And that's really what this verse in Psalm 86.11 says. In Psalm 86.11, he says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And I really want to focus in on that phrase, give me an undivided heart. Some of your Bibles may say, unite my heart, but it's a prayer that the psalmist is, is asking God to help him have this undivided heart so that he can fear God's name. And I think this is one of the great obstacles that we face today. And I would say that it's a modern challenge because there's so many distractions in life. We find ourselves pulled in, in many directions that it's very difficult to have an undivided heart when it comes to our faith and following Jesus. But obviously it's not just a modern problem because this person was praying for it way back in Psalm 86. He too needed God to give him an undivided heart. But what's at stake? What's at stake if we don't have an undivided heart, if, if our heart is divided or our mind is divided? I was uh, reading it in the Holman earlier this, this afternoon, and he says, give me an undivided mind to fear your name. Well, the rest of the verse kind of tells us what's at stake. First of all, Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here, he's praying for an undivided heart so that he can fear God's name. So if you have a divided heart, you won't learn how to fear God the way he wants you to. The other parts of the verse also stand out. He starts off by praying and asking that God would teach him his ways. And when we have divided hearts, we don't learn God's ways as he wants us to. And then finally, we won't walk in his truth. So all those things are at stake if our hearts are divided. And that's why he prays, give me an undivided heart. And that's something that I would share with you tonight is that this really points to a sincerity of devotion that I hope that your faith in your 20s, that you'll learn how to have a sincere devotion to Christ, that you wouldn't have a divided heart, which is uh, so easy for us to have, but that you'll pray like this psalmist did, that God would give you an undivided heart, that you would have a sincere devotion to God. You know, the great enemy of discipleship is not outright rebellion, against God, but apathy. You know, just having your faith be one part of your life. That's the great enemy of devotion to Christ. Not that you would be in outright rebellion against him, but that he would just be one other item in your, your busy life. You have a heart for Jesus and you have a heart for five other things <laughs> that match or maybe even exceed 
your heart for Jesus. And so all of us need to pray like the psalmist that God would give us undivided hearts so that we might learn to fear his name. Now, there's a prayer he asked at the very beginning there where he says, teach me your way and I will walk in your truth. Well, we have something that the psalmist did not have. We have the son of God. So he was writing the book of Psalms before Jesus had been sent down to earth as God's son. And Jesus came to be the sacrifice, to be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he also came to live as a perfect man and to be an example for us. He told his disciples, I've given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. And then his disciples recorded for us four gospels that that give us the life and teachings of Jesus so that we can study them and begin to imitate them and seek to live by them. So the next verse that I want to point you to is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Well, God has taught us his ways by sending his son. And so in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, we read this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, there's a, there's a ton of stuff in these verses. I just want to, again, highlight a few phrases in here. So he starts off by saying, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So he's, he's writing to people, he's writing to believers, to, to people who had recognized who Jesus was. Jesus is the Lord. And they had received, they had responded. And I hope that's the case for all of you tonight, that you've recognized who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who said that he had been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the supreme authority in all the universe, and he's calling us to recognize that and then receive him. So when you receive Jesus, you're not just receiving your version of Jesus, which is what so many people, I think, especially in America, they, they've got their idea of who Jesus is, and they're willing to embrace that. But the Bible is actually calling us to receive Jesus for who the scriptures say he is, the one and only son of God, uh, the only one whose earthly life um, was not the beginning of his life. You know, Jesus existed before he was born of the Virgin Mary the only one who was sent from heaven to, uh, to live among us and to die for us. That's the one that we're called to receive, Christ Jesus the Lord. But he goes on to say that as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, what? So walk in him. So the life of faith is, it's got these two components. First of all, it's recognizing who Jesus is and receiving him, submitting your life to him but then it's spending the rest of your life learning from him and following him, walking in him as the Lord of your life. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So all of us are called to recognize, submit, and follow Jesus. That's what it means to, to walk in God's truth. Teach me your way, O Lord. He's teaching us his ways by sending us his son. Teach me your way and I will walk in your truth. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk 
in him. Another phrase in these verses that I, I want to draw your attention to is that he, he says, just as you were taught. So learning how to submit to, follow, and become like Jesus is not something that God ever intended for you and I to figure out on our own. It's actually something, the life of faith is something that is taught. In Hebrews 13, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. So God is gonna put people in your life who are further along than you in the faith. And he wants you to learn from those people. Those people are, are gifts to you um, for you to learn how to follow Jesus. Because one day you're gonna be, hopefully, God willing, you're gonna be one of those people that's further down the road than someone else. And if you've, if you've taken advantage of those opportunities now in your 20s, you're gonna be someone that can be a blessing to the next generation of believers. You're gonna be someone who can teach them how to walk in Christ and how to follow his ways. So we must be taught. And the principle here is focus your life on Jesus. Okay, so the first verse, Psalm 86, verse 11 it's the importance of sincerity of faith. An undivided heart is critical. The lesson here is learn how to focus your life on Jesus. He is the truth. He's the one that God sent so that we could learn and follow his ways. We could walk in his truth. The last verse I wanted to share with you all is out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. That verse says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And I would call this verse um, an anthem for your 20s. And if you're not quite 20, you know, there, there are some that are younger than 20. This can be an anthem for your teens. But this is a great verse for you as someone who is younger in life and perhaps younger in your faith. When I, first came to fight, when I first came to faith and I realized that God wanted to use my life to become part of what I would call the family business. You know, the family business is God reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus. Or as Jesus put it, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus discipled 12, and then he turned around and told them, go make disciples. That's the family business. The family business is what Jesus gave his life to, and it's what he's calling us to become part of. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me in the early years of my faith, that God wanted me to not only be a disciple, but to learn how to make disciples. But in my mind, I, I thought, well, maybe when I'm 35 or 40, um, God might use me in that way. Maybe God could use me in 15 or, or 20 years. But that's not the case at all. God wants to use your life right away. You can become part of what God is doing in the world right away. In fact, you can become part of it right now. And that's what I think these, this verse in 1 Timothy 4.12 points to. God wants each of you to be a pace setter. That's what he's calling you to in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Just because you're young, let no one despise you for your youth. Which doesn't mean you need to have false pride. <laughs> it means that you can set the example 
set the example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. All right? So the thing I want you to hold on here, five areas of excellence. Okay? There's more than this. I think Paul didn't give an exhaustive list, but these are five great ones. So think about your speech. Think about how people encounter you throughout the day. Think about your conduct, the way you carry yourself, your actions, your attitude. Think about whether or not you are sacrificing your comfort for the sake of others, love, faith, purity. What do people experience when they're around you? And especially what do other believers, are you setting the pace for your fellow believers? Are you someone that, that other believers could look to and be encouraged by? Like you don't have to teach them. You don't have to have great words of wisdom. You can make a huge impact just by your example. And these are five areas of excellence that you can seek to set the pace as a young believer in your 20s, the anthem for your 20s. All right, so the first verse, Psalm 86, 11, it's the importance of having a sincere devotion. Ask God to give you an undivided heart. The second verse, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, it's the importance of learning how to focus your life on Jesus. He's the one that the Father sent to teach us his ways so we could walk in his truth. And then this third verse out of 1 Timothy 4 is the importance of setting the pace, being an example. All right, I want to wrap up by giving you two takeaway challenges that I hope you'll take to heart and actually put into practice this week. The first one's very easy, straightforward. I would challenge you to memorize these three verses in the coming week. They're pretty short. They're easy to remember, especially if um, you can put them on some, some little cards or something. Uh, you can write them out on like three by four cards, put them in your Bible, and memorize Psalm 86, 11, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, and 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. So you got seven days. Next Tuesday when you get here, you guys can check each other in your small groups. And hopefully you've committed these verses to memory because they'll be with you throughout the day and you can meditate on them and you can pray them and ask God to make them true of your life. And then the uh, second challenge I want to give you tonight is that you would commit to being discipled by an older believer. And that really comes out of this Colossians 2, 6, and 7, that God intended for us to be taught the faith. He, he always intended the faith to be passed on from one generation to the next. And so if one day you're going to be faithful to give to someone else, it's important to learn to receive now. So be thinking about who, who's part of this group that is further along than you in the faith that you, when you look at their life, you, you admire it. You would like to be where they're at one day in their faith or in their, their family life. And then seek to be discipled by that person. The great thing about this group is that that's kind of what it's all about. So that older person is probably willing to spend time with you sharing the faith and helping you learn how to follow Jesus. So don't feel like you're imposing on them. They would love to do that. So those are the two challenges. All right. So that's all I've got tonight. Those three verses, 
what I wish someone would have told me in my 20s. Ryan, any, um, any other directions for uh, small groups or breaking up or questions? Yes, Aaron. Yeah, uh, well, certainly younger in faith is important. Um, but you know, um, there's actually, no, you, you don't have to be physically um, younger than someone else to learn from them. Um, you could be a little further along in life and yet younger in your faith. And I think sometimes that requires more humility, and um, which is not a problem since that's important in the Bible. Like we should be humble and, and ready to learn. Um, you know, a great story about that is Nicodemus with Jesus. You know, it, it's probable that Nicodemus was much older than Jesus, and yet he sought him out and eventually became one of his disciples in the Gospels. So, no, you could be older physically and still learn from people that are younger than you uh, in the faith. But... But it is helpful if someone's a little further along than you in life as well, because um, they're going to have experienced things that you're going through at that time. And, and uh, you know, part of discipleship is learning the scriptures, but, but part of it is also just learning how to live the scriptures in, as you go through life. And so if you've had those experiences, you're able to share that with, with someone who's younger than you, you know, physically. Yeah, Will. Yeah, um, I think it can be done in almost any area. So um, one thing that um, I really benefited from as a young believer is just sharing my faith. I was very nervous to share my faith. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly what to share in terms of uh, sharing the gospel message. Um, it was all kind of jumbled in my head. Like I knew what I believed, but to just talk to someone about it was uh, intimidating for me. But there was um, a guy that I knew named uh, Robbie, who was actually only a year or two older than me, but had been following Jesus for longer than me and was very outgoing and knew how to share his faith. And so um, that really helped me. I actually just went up to him and said, hey, would you take me with you when you go to share the gospel? I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to learn how you do it. And uh, that was great because all I had to do was just kind of tag along with him as he was sharing with other people. And at the time, we were actually at a military installation, um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I don't know if anyone knows where that's at, but uh, I grew up uh, close to that area. And so we were actually on base at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and we were going through um, the barracks, and we were just talking to, at the time, guys who were basically our age. And uh, they had these old World War II barracks, which were all open bay. So you could walk in the front door, and then you could literally just walk down this long room and, uh, you know, people were just kind of hanging out, and so we would talk to them. So we went through the first bay of barracks, and Robbie talked to several people. And then we, um, we got to the next building, and he said, okay, your turn. So uh, that was uh, definitely intimidating. But, um, but he said, like, I'm right, I'm here. Like, if you get stuck, like, I can jump in, and, and I can share. And, uh, yeah, that's all I needed was someone who could basically be an example, be a model, um, I've had people do that for me when it comes to memorizing the scripture 
reading the Bible. Most of my Christian growth has probably been from people who were setting a good example and just letting me tag along. Any other questions on uh, these three principles? Undivided heart, focus on Jesus, five areas of excellence. Does it seem doable? It's pretty straightforward, right? It's not complicated. It just takes commitment. All right, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll break into our small groups. Lord Jesus, we pray to you tonight because you're alive. We pray to you because you're alert. You hear these prayers. You tell us that you're with us always, even to the end of the age, and you're with us to the ends of the earth. Lord, that's significant because when you promised that, you were in the city of Jerusalem, which is literally on the other side of the earth, and yet our confidence tonight is that you're also with us here tonight, 2,000 years later in San Diego. I thank you for each person that's here tonight. Lord, we confess to you that you are worthy of our affection. You're worthy of our attention. And we pray, Lord, that you would take the words that uh, we've heard tonight and also that we're going to be sharing with one another in our small groups. You would cause them to sink into our hearts and help us to become the men and women that you want us to be. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.